enjoy <laughs> that little interaction. All right, well today we're continuing our series on uh, values to live by. And uh, last time we talked about giving respect, that if you want to get respect, you've got to give respect, right? And, uh, and, and so uh, today we're, we're going to be talking about forgiveness, receiving and offering forgiveness. How many of you ever messed something up? I, you know, I've done a lot of funerals, and the hardest part of a funeral, other than it's sad, is reading obituary. Y'all, people in the West Bank got some names, I mean, I mean... And, and you mispronounce them. And then you try and correct yourself, and, and it's worse, especially with a Georgia accent. And, uh, you know, so anybody besides me, you've ever done something like that? Or, or, or maybe you've been asked to introduce somebody, you know. And, and um, you know, I had a friend, and they, everybody called him Wawa. I did not have enough guts to call that man Wawa. He started four years for Bear Bryant. But a lot of times we mess something up, and... We mess it up worse trying to make it right, correct? Is that Sometimes we do that. I mean, we, we, it may be a project at home that you uh, do something and then you say, okay, well, I'll just cut this out and put something else. And now you're floating and taping and all kinds of stuff. And so it just can get worse and worse. Or your wife says, hey, I want you to do this little project thinking, oh, it's just a little thing, not realizing there's a whole bunch of other stuff that you don't see that has to get done, all right? So today we're going to talk about making something wrong right. And uh, we're, going to, we're going to talk about really offering forgiveness is what we're going to zero in on. And I think it's a value that's needed in today's world, probably more than ever, because our culture seems to be less and less caring about people. And, uh, and so, you know, uh, so let me tell you, and you need to understand this, in this life, you will be hurt by someone. You're going to be offended by someone. And um, it's just going to happen. Uh, it could be what somebody says about you, what somebody does to you, or even what you perceive they're thinking about you. And, uh, and so, uh, you know, a lot of times we, we just think somebody's thinking something. They, they're not, but we think that. And so... Uh, we can become offended and hurt by that. And, and, uh, and so, you know, um, we're going to talk about that. And when I mentioned forgiveness a minute ago, some of y'all had something pop in your mind right then. And, uh, and it might have been somebody. It might have been something that hurt you somewhere, and those emotions kind of came back. We all have those, those trigger things that, that are there. And, uh, and so the only cure for that is to really... Understand forgiveness and be able to give forgiveness. So I want to deal with a couple of questions. One is, why should we offer forgiveness to people? And number two, how do we offer forgiveness to people? And both of those are misunderstood, I think. And uh, so why should we offer forgiveness? And in uh, Matthew chapter 18, Jesus tells a story. Uh, we call it the story of the unforgiving servant. And so what happens is, is this servant owes the king like millions of dollars in our day. And and so he's, he's going before the king. King has decided, I'm going to settle up all my accounts. And, uh, and so he's called him in and said, look, man, you owe some taxes. And, uh, and so he says, oh, please forgive me. And he said, no, nope, no, nope, we're going we're gonna to sell you, sell all your family, everybody in the slavery to pay all your debts. He just falls out on the floor. He's begging for forgiveness. The king feels pity and forgives him. 
So then that guy leaves and runs into somebody that owes him a few hundred bucks and grabs him and says, pay me what you owe me. And the guy said, man, I will. I will. Just give me a little more time. And, and he says, no, and he throws him in prison. Well, the other servants find out about it and tell the king. Well, that really makes the king mad. So the, this guy's going on his merry way, and the king's messenger comes up. Boss wants you. King wants you. He goes back. The king said, why, when I forgave you millions, would you not forgive this guy hundreds? Prison, dude. You're going to be tortured until your debts are paid. And, uh, and so we're going to get some principles out of that little story. So uh, hang with me and write down some things. And so let's look at the reasons from that story we should offer. Number one, write this down. We should offer forgiveness because Jesus has forgiven me. That guy, that servant should have forgiven that guy that owed him a few hundred bucks because he had just been forgiven millions of dollars of debt, right? The servant had. Same with us. We've been forgiven by Jesus, so we should forgive those who have hurt us. Matter of fact, Paul said this in Ephesians. He said, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, and look at that, forgiving one another just as God has forgiven you. That's why we forgive, because God's forgiven us. And so when I think about how much God has forgiven me over the years, it makes me more open to forgiving other people. And, uh, and so, uh, you know, people are going to disappoint us, but it makes us more inclined to forgive. When you felt that forgiveness, you know, I know what it's like to feel that forgiveness. It makes it easier for me to forgive others. Now, on the other hand, if you've never felt that forgiveness, it makes it harder for you to forgive other people because you've never felt that forgiveness. And, and just like this servant, you know, God's forgiven me a lot more than I've got to forgive other people. And so, uh, when you felt that, when you know that you've been forgiven, it's easier to forgive. Now, when you don't, and when you haven't felt that forgiveness, you're, you know, you may be uh, holding bitterness, you may be holding grudges, and that's oftentimes because we have not really felt forgiven ourselves. When I think about the fact that Jesus wiped out all the bad thoughts, all my bad words, all my bad actions, Jesus paid that price for me, so I wouldn't have to pay it. It makes it real easy to forgive others when they hurt me. So that servant was asked to forgive much less than the king gave him for. And, that, and that's us. We'll ne- Listen, you and I will never have to forgive more of someone than God has already forgiven in us. We'll never have to forgive more than what God has already forgiven us. So the first reason that we need to forgive and offer forgiveness is Jesus forgave us. And that just kind of takes all the excuses away, and it offers good motivation. Number two, we should offer forgiveness because resentment doesn't work. Resentment hurts you. It doesn't hurt the other person. But it'll ruin your life. I mean, if anybody ever had a case to be resentful, it was a guy named Job. Now, I don't know why people always read the book of Job when they're depressed. Don't do that. Go read Philippians or something. But, but Job, uh, you know, he was a character in the Bible. He was like Bill Gates today. He was famous, and he was the richest guy around. But Job had great character. He loved the Lord. He was, he was righteous in every way. I'm not saying Bill Gates isn't, but I'm, I don't know the man. But Job was, was all this, and so all of a sudden one day, he lost it all. Enemies came in and burned all his crops, killed his kids. He lost everything in a day. And, uh, it, and, then, and then he got a terrible disease, and all he was left with 
was three friends that said everything was his fault and a wife that said, go ahead and curse God and die. Guys, you thought you had it bad. All right, so, uh, you know, his wife says, just telling him, go ahead and curse God so he'll kill you and you and get this over with. And so, you know, then his friends said, well, you know, it's really your fault. Now, before you go blaming his friends, we do that. In church world, we do that. I knew somebody whose baby died, newborn baby died, and they had people at their church, not this church, thank God, but people at their church said, if you'd have had more faith, baby would be alive, or if you hadn't a sinned, this wouldn't have happened. Y'all, that's bad theology. Number one, God doesn't work that way. But we do that. And, uh, and so, uh, you know, we, we, listen, resentment doesn't work. We offer forgiveness because resentment doesn't work. Job had a right to be resentful. But three times in the book of Job, we're told resentment doesn't work. Look at this. Number one, write this down. It's unreasonable. It's foolish to, to hold resentment. Look what Job 5.2 says. To worry yourself to death with resentment would be a foolish, senseless thing to do. I mean, that's what, that's what Job said. And, and, and so, uh, you know, it, it's, it's unreasonable. It's foolish. So, you know, it uh, makes about as much sense as Boudreaux. When Boudreaux went to the store, Boudreaux was there at the store, and, and Clarence was the cashier and said, Boudreaux, what's that lump on your chest? Boudreaux said, well, you know how Thibodeau always pops me on my chest and it hurts. So I put some dynamite on my chest. I'm going to blow his hand off next time he does that. That's kind of what resentment does. It's, not, it, it's just foolish, all right? You know, and, and, and so, you know, it says when we, we want to get even, we'll do and we'll say stupid things, whether it's on social media or wherever. Ecclesiastes 7.9 says, keep your temper under control. It's foolish to harbor a grudge. And it is. That's from Solomon. It just, it's foolish to do that. Number two, in Job, we find out that holding resentment is not helpful. It's just not helpful. It doesn't help. All it does is it hurts you, not the other person. I mean, just because you're mad, they're going along their merry way. They don't know you're mad. Uh, I mean, look, Job 18.4, it says this, you are only hurting yourself with your anger. And it, this is God talking. He said, will the earth be deserted because you're angry? Answer that's no. Will God move mountains to satisfy you because you're mad? You're throwing a little temper tantrum. Folks, y'all might give in to your grandkids when they throw a temper tantrum. God does not give in when we throw a temper tantrum. You need to understand that. And so that's what he's saying. You're only hurting yourself. So holding a grudge is just going to make you miserable. And guess what? It's going to make everybody around you miserable, and they're not going to want to be around you. And, uh, and so then you're going to be lonely and miserable. No matter how resentful you are, it won't change the past. It can't, uh, you know. And, uh, and all the resentment in the world won't change what's already happened. It won't correct the problem, and it won't make you feel any better. It just makes you feel worse, you know. Maybe somebody hurt you a long time ago. Maybe, maybe every time you think about it, it hurts, and you become angry. Meanwhile, they're la, 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 la. They don't know. I mean, they've moved on. They, they're no longer... In the, you know, they're not walking around thinking, ha, 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 I got Robert. Yeah, that boy, I made his life. Man, they, man, they done moved on. And, uh, and so, you know, holding resentment's like taking fire in your chest. It'll burn you up. It'll burn you up. Doesn't hurt the other person. It'll burn you up. And uh, it just hurts you. So number three, we find out in Job, it's also unhealthy. 
In Job 21, it says this, verse 23. Some people stay healthy till the day they die. They die happy and at ease, their bodies well nourished. Others have no happiness at all, and they will live and die with bitter hearts. When I read that, I'm going, God, don't let me ever be that bitter heart and die uh, with no happiness at all. See, research shows over and over that resentment is the single most destructive emotion to yourself because it eats at you. It's like a cancer. It just continues to eat. Sometimes you ever had a pain in your neck? Well, that pain in your neck might be your resentment. And, uh, you know, high, it'll cause high blood pressure, ulcers, whatever. You know, and so think about it. That pain, some of those pains, if you're holding resentment, could be from that because your body will respond to your emotional state. Boudreaux went to the doctor and he said, Hey, doctor, I think I have colitis. The doctor said, Well, Boudreaux, who you been colliding with? That's what happens. Your body is going to show. Your body is going to show what's going on. Uh, you, you look at this quote. It's not so much what you eat, but what's eating you that's tearing you up inside. It's not so much what you eat. It's what's eating you that's tearing you up. So resentment doesn't work. Number three, we should offer forgiveness because I need forgiveness too. If you don't think you do, I'm just going to... Throw it out there to you. It may be a shock. You do. I needed forgiveness in the past, and I'm going to need it again. Uh, you, can expect, you, you can't expect people to forgive you if you won't offer forgiveness to them. And, uh, and so, uh, you know, forgiveness is a two-way street. It works both ways. You know, my dad always told me, don't burn bridges behind you. Never know when you might have to walk back over that bridge, that bridge of forgiveness. And so sometimes... Uh, we, we, don't, we, we need to offer forgiveness because we're going to need it at some point. Jesus said it like this. If you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. Now, I don't believe that's a salvation message because that would make forgiveness a work. But, but it's important that we understand we can't receive what we're not willing to give. And, and I think that the problem there is I'm, more, I'm not going to be able to receive God's forgiveness because I'm bitter towards somebody here. And that's what he's saying. You can't get what you're not willing to give. You reap what you sow. If I sow unforgiveness, I'm going to reap unforgiveness. If I sow a smile, I reap a smile. If I sow respect, I reap a respect. It's that, the old lesson of the wheel. What goes around comes around. And it's, it's just a principle of the worth. A man came to, of the world. John, a man came to John Wesley one time and said, I can never forgive that person. John Wesley, the founder of the Methodist Church, way back when they actually believed something, said this. He said, then I hope you never sin again. Because if you can't forgive, you're not going to receive forgiveness. See, when you're unforgiving, you're burning all your bridges behind you. and You may need to walk back across those. Now, I've heard a lot of people say, you don't understand. I'm different. You don't know what they did to me. You don't know what happened. You, don't, you, you know, it was horrible you know, whatever. They cheated. They did whatever. You don't know. And you're right. I don't. I don't. But God does. And he says, for your sake, you've got to learn to forgive and let it go because it's only hurting you. It's only hurting you. It's only hurting you. So when you hold on to the, that hurt from the past, you're allowing the past to still control you, right? But, but, but also, uh, you know, 
it, it's controlling you. And, and when people say they can't forgive, I think really we have a misunderstanding of what forgiveness is. So I want to kind of deal with a couple of, a couple of um, myths about it and correct the thing. So write this down. Forgiving is not minimizing a serious offense. It's not minimizing. It's not, a lot of people, when you go up and say, hey, man, I'm sorry for this, they go, oh, no big deal. It is a big deal. If we offend each other, we hurt each other, especially if it was something intentionally, you get convicted. It's a big deal. And so you go and you, you, you ask them to forgive you, and, and, uh, and so we don't minimize it. You know, when somebody hurts you or hurts your family, it's a big deal. If somebody uh, cheats on you, commits adultery or whatever, that's a big deal. You don't minimize the wrong. You don't minimize that stuff. When you minimize it, you cheapen forgiveness. The second thing, forgiving, is not the restoration of trust. It's not the restoration of trust. Forgiveness is instant. Trust has to be rebuilt. And sometimes it can never be rebuilt. But trust takes time. People have got to prove their restoration of trust. If somebody betrayed you or abused your children, you don't have to trust them and let them back into your kid's life or whatever. When I derailed that train when I was a kid, the worst part of the whole thing was my dad looked at me and said, we thought we could trust you to run around as a, as a sixth grade kid, you know, and, and I had to, re it took me about a year to rebuild that trust, and, uh, and, and, uh, and so you've got to, re trust has to be rebuilt, some people think that if they forgive somebody, maybe an abusive spouse, that they've got to let that person back in the house, no you don't, that's not what forgiveness is, forgiveness is not restoration of trust, okay, it's not restoration of trust, forgiveness is instant, Trust takes a while to build up. And that person's got to prove that they've changed. Look at this. Forgiveness, write this down. Forgiveness is not resuming relationship without changes. It's not. It's not resuming relationship without changes. A lot of people think if they forgive somebody, they've got to let them back in their lives. He cheated. I'm going to forgive him. I've got to take him back. No, you don't. Not right then. That Here again, trust has to be rebuilt. Forgiveness is what you do when you're offended. But for a relationship to be restored, the offender has to do some things. One, he's got to repent. He's got to have real repentance. I read a story about a lady. I read, I love guideposts and all those kind of magazines. This lady had, her husband had, had multiple affairs and, and cheated on her. And so she was ready to divorce him. She hired a divorce attorney. She's going to divorce groups and all kinds of stuff. And then she... Uh, accidentally actually ended up at a church. They didn't have God in their lives, and she went, and the pastor made sense. She gave her life to the Lord. She started praying for her husband, didn't take him back for a long time. And then he went to church, and he gave his life to the Lord, and she still didn't trust him just because he, she wanted to see it. He had to rebuild trust. It took a while. It took a long while. And we had a couple at another church came, started coming to church with us, and they were separate separated it was six months before they went to dinner with each other after church and eventually they got back together you got to rebuild that trust so you got to show real repentance where possible you've got to make restitution that's part of restoring the restoration of a relationship and you've got to rebuild trust over time so it's those three r's repent restitution and rebuild if you're writing that down you've got to learn to forgive whether they accept it or not whether they ever uh, uh, give it or not, forgiveness is not reconciliation. It's not 
is you forgive whether they repent and do any of that. And, and, uh, and so that re- relationship may not ever be restored, but you've forgiven that. It does not mean that they move back in. Uh, and, and let me tell you this. Only a victim has a right to, to forgive. Somebody hurts you, I can't forgive that person. They didn't hurt me. Only you can forgive. I, I've heard of people standing up and say, well, we forgive the people that did the shooting at this theater or this school or this church. I can't forgive them. Only the people that were in that church can forgive them or in that theater can forgive them or the families in that school. You, you, we can't forgive, I mean, something that wasn't done to us. And so understand, that's kind of some myths about forgiveness. And so we need to understand that. But we've got to learn that forgive, we forgive whether they repent or not or whether they receive it or not. And so my, my, my forgiveness isn't based on their response, whether they ask for it or not, whether they accept it or not, or whether they even acknowledge it or not. And you, you forgive them. Why? Because God forgave us. So how should we do that? What's that look like? You know, when you forgive somebody, we're not going to minimize their sin. We don't, wanna, we, we don't have to trust them again. That has to be earned. If, if a spouse is cheated, they don't automatically get to move back in. You don't resume the relationship immediately until they show change and that has happened. But when you forgive th- somebody, there are some things that we've got to do, and I want to give you those real quick. Number one, we've got to recognize that we're all imperfect. You're not perfect, I'm not perfect. Mother Teresa wasn't perfect. Even Pastor Kathy's not perfect. Hadn't found a flaw, but she's not. But, uh, but none of us are. Romans 3.23, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All of us have. And so we're going to be hurt, and we're going to hurt somebody. You're not going to go through this life and not hurt somebody. And when we hold on to resentment, we begin to hate the offender. And uh, when you begin to hate somebody and focus on somebody, you, you lose perspective, you begin to demonize them, and all of a sudden, there's nothing good about them. Uh, you know, there's this nothing. And, and, and when we get to that point, we don't even treat people like human beings. We want to treat them like an animal. And when you treat somebody like an animal, they will respond like an animal. And, uh, you know, one of the things that's interesting, uh, at the jail, the deputies that have trouble are the ones that treat inmates badly. The deputies that treat them with some respect don't have any problems with them. 99.99% of the time. Because we want to treat people with respect. We've all been hurt by somebody, and we're all going to hurt someone. Look at what Solomon said in Ecclesiastes. He says, not a single person on earth is always good and never sins. It doesn't matter how good you are. We all have sinned. And I would say the flip side of that is, is not a single person on earth is all bad. There's some good in everybody. And so it works both ways on that. None of us are perfect. We all sin. So we've got to recognize that. We don't minimize the offense, but we all, all realize they're not perfect, I'm not perfect. Here it comes. I've been forgiven by God, right? And so the second thing we've got to do is we've got to, re- this is where it gets down to the nitty-gritty. We've got to relinquish my right to get even. You're, I'm saying, hey, Lord, I mean, this is, the, this is the crux of forgiveness. I'm giving up my right to get even with them. Paul said this in Romans 12, 19. Dear friends, never avenge yourselves. In the Greek, that word never means never. Very plain. You never avenge yourselves. Leave that to God. Leave that to God. For he said, 
He will repay those who deserve it. But you know what God's heart is? God's heart's for them to repent and turn to Him. That He can forgive them, change them, and restore them. And uh, just like He did you. And, but He'll repay those who deserve it. Don't take the law into your own hands. So you give up that right to get even. I mean, they may have hurt you, uh, you know, but you're not going to be the one to hurt them back. They may, they may deserve to be punished, but you're not going to be the one to punish them. And if that doesn't sound fair, you're right. It's not fair, and God never said life is fair. Heaven will be fair, but we're not there yet. And one day, God's going to settle the score, and he's coming back. Jesus is coming back. It's just not today, I don't think. If he does, he'll settle the score. But we'll all get to rise up and be in, in heaven with God today. He's going to come back. But in the meantime, we let go of our right to punish people who've hurt us. And we're all going to be hurt. And it, and it hurts. I mean, it's terrible when you're going through it. When you do, uh, the only way we can do that is we can ask God to fill us with his peace. And he'll do that. He'll do that. You may, you may think, well, how often do I have to forgive somebody? I mean, anybody besides me, you don't have to raise your hands. You've forgiven somebody, and then about 15 minutes later, you're ready to choke them again? Here's what Peter, you're in good company. Peter asked Jesus that question. Then Peter came and asked the Lord, how often do I need to forgive the sins, someone who sins against me? Seven times? That was kind of a thing back then. And Jesus said, no, not, not seven times, but 70 times seven. And he's not talking about, you know, 149 times, he, or, or 1,000, whatever it is. He's talking about always forgiving. You always forgive. Every time that hurt, listen, listen, every time you remember that hurt and that anger, starts coming up, you remember what they said, what they did, and you start getting angry again, you got to give it to the Lord again. You release it. See, forgiveness isn't a one-time thing. We, we, that's a, kind of another myth. Well, I've forgiven them. Why am I feeling this way? Because it's a process. It's a process. And so you, you give that back to the Lord. I mean, you know, five minutes later, I'm giving it back to you, Lord. You know, uh, you know it's, it's uh, and sometimes you don't need to go back to the person and tell them, to forgive you. We had a guy in jail one time. Uh, he called his, he somehow he got a, on a phone call. He called his ex-wife and said he forgave her. That didn't go well. <laughs> didn't go well. He ended up, I think, in, in solitary or something. I mean, it, it, you know, she was not happy. And, and so you might need to forgive that person, just you and God. Sometimes they've moved on. Sometimes it'll make it worse if you go actually go to that person. You just need to forgive them. They may have remarried. You don't want to make things worse. And then you can do some stuff in an empty chair. You can picture that person in that chair and talk to them and tell them what you wanted to say. And uh, just don't tear up my chair. And, uh, and, and, and get that off your mind. You can write a letter that you don't mail and get it off your chest. There's techniques you can do and give that to the Lord. And, uh, and so you release them. Why? So you can be free. So you can be free. Number three, you respond to evil with good. You respond to evil with good. I mean, you know you've begun to forgive somebody fully when you can understand their hurt and pray for God to bless them. I mean, you stop praying for an 18-wheeler to hit them while they're walking down the road and start praying for God to work in their life. Any, uh, when y'all looking at me, I know some of y'all have prayed for that 18-wheeler for somebody. God get them like David does, you know. And, uh, <clears throat> and um, 
And so I knew a guy at one time, somebody had hurt his daughter real bad, and he, he said he knew he was on the way to forgiveness when he saw the guy walking down the sidewalk and he didn't run over him. And, uh, and, that, and that's where it starts. You know, it's where it starts. Uh, Jesus said this in Luke 7. He said this, but you, to you who are willing to listen, I say, love your enemies. Man, that's tough. Then he said, do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who hurt you. If somebody slaps you on the cheek, offer the other one. I don't know about that one. If someone demands your coat, offer your shirt also. I don't know about that one either because I don't, I don't like to show this body. But, you know, um, but you know, in other words, we repay evil with good. That's the principle. I mean, have you ever thought about how in the world you can do that? How is it possible to give somebody, something to somebody who's trying to take it? Uh, you know, or humanly speaking, you can't. You've got to ask God to fill your heart with love. Why love? Because love doesn't keep a record of wrongs. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 13, love keeps no record of being wrong. So when your heart is filled with love for somebody, the way God's heart is filled with love for them, you're not keeping a record of their wrongs. And, 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 but when you're filled with hate and animosity and resentment, then you're not filled with love because those two emotions can't be there at the same time. And, uh, and so when you're acting in love, you're not keeping a record of what they did wrong. So you don't go historical on them when you see them and tell them everything they've ever done wrong. Uh, you, if you want to experience the freedom of forgiveness, uh, you, you turn them loose from that. You respond to evil with good. And number four, you've got to do this one. You've got to refocus on God's purpose for your life. You've got to refocus for God's purpose on your life. As long as you're focusing on somebody you resent or you're allowing them to control your life. When I'm thinking about how much I don't like this person, and I, what am I focusing on? I'm focusing on that, and they're still controlling me because I'm thinking, what are they thinking about me? And that's making me change my thoughts. And, 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 you, and you begin to... Uh, you've got to release them or you're going to hold on to the resentment. When you hold on to the resentment, they're still controlling you. And get this, if you don't release them, you're focusing on them, right? And guess what? We become like what we focus on. And so you're, become, you're going to become like them. I, as so many people through life have said, I'm not going to be like my parent. I'm not going to be like my dad. I'm not going to be like my mom. And then at some point in their life, they go, I've become my mom. I've become my dad. Why? Because you focused on that instead of turning it loose. So let me give you three steps that will help you refocus and, uh, on God. Job 11, 13 through 16, we find them in here. God said, put your heart right, Job. Reach out to God. Put away evil and wrong from your home. Then, the face, then face the world again, firm and courageous. Then all your troubles will fade from your memory like floods that are from the past and remembered no more. So look at this, three steps. Number one, put your heart right is what he's saying. Put your heart right. Part of that is repentance. You put away, you put away evil you know, from your life. You release and forgive the person who hurt you. Put your heart right. Maybe you don't feel like it. Do it anyway. It's a, it's a decision. It's an action that we do. Uh, you know, If you don't, you're the one that's going to be miserable. The second thing he said was reach out to God. Reach out to God. In other words, we've got to repent. We've got we've to put away the evil from us. We've got to put that away. We've got to invite Christ to be our Lord and Savior. If you've not done that, you can't do this without the Lord in your life. And uh, you can't manufacture enough forgiveness 
to do good to people who have hurt you, to people who have uh, done some horrible thing. You know, I, I remember reading uh, in Guidepost one time, there was a, a man, uh, a, a guy had killed his daughter, some juvenile. They dropped a concrete block off a overpass, went through her windshield and killed her. And, uh, and, and, and he went and offered forgiveness. One kid accepted it and broke down crying and asked him to, you know, I'm so sorry and all that. And that man visited that kid while he was in juvenile jail, prison. And when that kid got out, that man was there to pick him up, brought him to his church, performed a wedding between that young man who'd become a godly man because of his intervention, because of his forgiveness, and did the wedding for him and another girl in the church. Only God can do that. So you've got to reach out to God. I, in our own, what do we want to do? I'm going to hammer you. But only God. We've got to reach out for God. If you ask him to, he will help you. You invite him to come in. You may have to forgive and ask God a hundred times to help you love that other person and forgive that person. Number three, he said here, face the world again. Face the world again, Job. Face the world again, Robert. Face the world again. You face the world. Don't withdraw into a shell. What do we do too often? Things aren't going right. We, we withdraw. We isolate. That's the worst thing you can do. Face the world again. Don't build up walls. Don't say, well, I'm never going to let anybody hurt me again. Because then you're going to be just miserable and lonely. It just, and it just doesn't work. Say it until you mean it. I'm not a victim. And with Jesus' power in me, I'm going to start living again. Let's just repeat that. I'm not a victim. And with Jesus' power in me, I'm going to start living again. You got to get that in your soul, get that in your heart. Listen, we're all going to be hurt, but with Jesus' power, we can begin living again. We don't have to be a victim. And then Job says this. He said, when you do that, this is the beauty. He said, then all your troubles will fade from your memory. They're going to be gone like floods that are past and remembered no more. Let me ask you, what hurt are you holding on to today that you need to let go of? What hurt are you holding on today that you need to let go of? What would you like to be free from? I want you to bow your head. What would you like to be free from? So when you give that to God, your troubles are going to fade. And I believe probably most of you in here, you got some thought just popped in your mind that you need. Chrissy's going to play softly a little bit. Wouldn't it be nice to be set free from, from that? If you're here today and, and maybe you're holding on to something, everybody's eyes are closed but me. I want you to just raise your hand. You're holding on. I mean, it could be something from way back. It could be something from Friday. I don't know. Just raise your hands. If I want to pray for you. We're all going to stand up in a minute. I just want to pray for you, though. Matter of fact, maybe you're here. And, I mean, somebody's controlling you from the past. He said, if you want to be free, give it to him. Give it to him. 
put your heart right, reach out to God, face the world again. If you're holding your hands up, I want to just say a prayer for you. Matter of fact, let's just all stand up. Those of you who raise your hands, I want you to come up front. Maybe some others want to come on up. I believe, look, I'm holding on to stuff. I was mad Friday. I've been working through that. This message was for me today. You got some people that have hurt you, go ahead and take us off Facebook. You got some people that have hurt you, and, and you need God to work in your life. So, Lord, you see everybody that's standing up up here. And, and Lord, we need your help, Lord. We're reaching out to you. And, God, we need your help to release that other person, to release what's happened, whether it's recent or whether it's in the past, God. Lord, I just pray that you set these people free that are up here saying, God, I need your help. And, Lord, we can't do it without you, Lord. We can't do it without you. So, Father, we just pray right now in the name of Jesus. Lord, we give it to you. Just, just lift your hands up and give it to the Lord. Say, Lord, it's yours. This Lord, it's yours. Lord, it's yours. I'm making my heart around releasing them and forgiving them. Lord, I can't do it without you. So I ask God to put love in that spot where you had hatred. Put love in that spot where you had resentment. Just give it to him. we know that doesn't mean being a doormat and letting somebody back in our life that doesn't need to be in there but Lord you can you can let it you can make it possible for us to release them and to walk in freedom God because we are no longer holding on to a grudge we're no longer holding on to that bitterness that's eating us up that God we can go out and and now we can we can face the world again we can face the situations again because Lord we have we have released them. We've forgiven them. We've been empowered by you, Lord. We pray for your Holy Spirit to enter into every one of us, to give each one of us the power to face those situations and knowing that we are walking in what you've called us to walk in. We are forgiven them. We've moved on. Whether they have or not, God, we have stepped above that. And we can face the world because of it, God, because you take things that were meant for our harm and you turn them for our good. And God, we praise you for that. Lord, you take those things that were meant to hurt us, those things that did hurt us, and you turn them for good. You give us ministries. You give us strength where we had weakness. And Lord, we can go out and we can face that world again. So Lord, I pray for each person in this room where we've been hurt, God, that you would help us. So Lord, set our heart right to give it to you to reach out and accept your strength. Lord, we know that, that your Holy Spirit in us, living in us, Galatians 2.20, Paul told us that it's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. That's the Holy Spirit. We also know Paul said, I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. How many of you know he'll give you the strength to forgive and to release? and to face the world. And so, God, we thank you that you'll do that, Lord. 
Lord, we thank you that you'll do that, God. Just lift your hands up and just praise him. Just say, Lord, thank you, God. Oh, God, we thank you, God, that you alone can set us free, God. That you're setting us free. Give the Lord a hand clap, God. We thank you, God. Lord, we love you today. We thank you, God, that we are, and when you set us free, Lord, we are really free. And so, God, we just pray for each person. Lord, help us to release and forgive. Set our heart right to reach out to you. Lord, there may be somebody in this room that's never given their lives to you, that's never received Jesus as their Savior. And so, Lord, I just pray right now that wherever they are, whoever they are, they will will reach out to you, God. They will reach out to you right now and invite you to come into their life. They'll invite you to forgive them of their sins so they can experience that forgiveness. That, God, they will invite you to come into their life to forgive their sin, to be their Lord and Savior and change them, God, and to empower them, empower them to be able to release and forgive, to draw on your strength. And, Lord, I pray that as we realize that we've hurt people, that, Lord, you will help us to humbly ask for forgiveness where we've done that. And if needed, to make restitution. But Lord, you make our, as part of our hearts being right. And say, God, we just pray that you help us to do that. No matter what that other person does, you call us to do what you wanted us to do. And we give you all the glory, God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Give God a hand clap. We're going to walk in freedom, right? All right. Well, let's sing a song and. On your way out in just a little bit, make sure you turn your con- your connection cards in and, uh, and spread the word on Facebook about the fall festival this afternoon, all right? So quick course. God bless you all. Thank you for being here. When you come back, 3.30 is when a lot of people are going to be here working. 4.30, everybody needs to be here. That's You need to get in here with your trunks by 4.30 and begin setting all that up. And uh, we'll line you up and all that kind of good stuff. All right, God bless you. Thank you for being here today.